what I see is that older generations are just much slower to make the change and younger generations make changes very rapidly. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Would you like to start your own show? I'm thinking of developing an online video course teaching how to set up, produce and market your own show. If that might be of interest, dear listener, I would really appreciate if you'd take two minutes of your time to complete the questionnaire at startyourownshow.com. That's startyourownshow.com. The Big Interview with David Bain. We often hear the mantra, mobile first. But is that true for all customers? Why do companies often ignore campaign and conversion data? And what are the most important metrics to analyze when it comes to selling online? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask my special guest today, Kevin Hillstrom. Kevin, welcome to DMR. Hi, thank you. Nice to be here. Well, thank you for joining me. Well, Kevin is the founder of MyNat Data, a consultancy that helps retailers, e-commerce brands and cataloguers to understand how customers interact with products, brands and channels. So, Kevin, year on year, are customers continuing to spend more money online? Across my client base, I consistently see that customers are shifting their dollars from channels they used to purchase in to the online channel. So when I work with a catalog business, customers used to shop through a catalog. They are now shopping through websites increasingly. And I work with a lot of retail businesses, and I find that we're that the customers are shifting their dollars from the in-store experience to e-commerce. So yes, I'm con- consistently seeing a trend where customers are shopping more online and less in the channels they used to shop in. Right, okay. And is that true across the board, or is there any particular industry sectors that are, that is particularly prevalent in? It's, it's not so much industry sectors as it is a, a demographic shift. And so when, when I have demographic data that I can analyze customer behavior on, I find that customers who are, let's say, under the age of 55 tend to be shifting rapidly towards e-commerce. When I find customers that are under the age of 30, they're shifting rapidly to mobile. And customers that are over the age of 55 are very set in their ways, and they are not shifting nearly as quick as other customers are. Yeah, it's, it's incredible how quickly the shift to mobile is going, because I was looking like, looking at a graph earlier on today, and um, it compared um, the first Sunday of shopping online um, in 2013 compared with um, uh, the last Sunday in November of this year, I believe, uh, which is 2014, as, as, as we're recording it. And um, the desktop computer was by far the most popular device to use in 2013, but fast forward 12 months, and it's all about tablet and mobile devices. So um, it's just um, scary to think how that will evolve, I suppose, even further over the next 12 months. Yes, and and, and the shift ends up having some important uh, ramifications for my clients. So what, what happens is when a customer shifts from desktop to either a tablet or to their mobile device, the way the customer behaves after making that switch tends to be different. And what I mean by different is they tend to spend the same amount of money they used to spend, but the older forms of marketing tend to become less effective when the customer makes a shift. And so my clients then have to respond to that by allocating their budgeting, by allocating their marketing budgets in a different manner. And so that's what's creating some stress for my clients here at the end of 2014. 
Okay, um, so, uh, you know, as I mentioned um, at the, the very beginning, we often hear the mantra mobile first. Um, but is that really true for, for, for all customers? Or um, is, as you, as you suggested, the, the under 30 demographic probably the appropriate focus to be on for that particular segment? Yeah, I, I find it's a demographic issue. Um, I, I have clients that where the average customer is maybe 70 years old or 60 years old. And those customers, it's common to see less than 1% of the visitors to a website who are um, coming through mobile. And so as a result, for those businesses where the average customer is 55, 65, 75 years old, mobile is completely irrelevant to their business. And then I've got clients where the average customer is maybe 30 or 35 years old, and you can see these dramatic shifts happening, and they need to respond today to what they're seeing. So a lot of it has to do with who your customer is and what demographic cohort they belong to. Okay, and um, what about moving forward? Um, Do you reckon that um, in five years' time, and I know it's a long way away, but do you think in five years' time, the older demographic, say over 70, um, will still be shying away from transacting on mobile devices, or do you think that might be likely to change in the future? This is just my opinion, but I think it'll change much slower than it does for everybody else. And the reason I say that is I have clients today where the 60 or 65 year old customer still isn't transacting through e-commerce. And I have many clients where 60% of the transactions today are happening over the telephone after receiving print media. And so what I see is that older generations are just much slower to make the change and younger generations make changes very rapidly. And so I think what you're gonna see is over the next five years, the younger generations where there are a lot of individuals under the age of 35, as they become older, they're basically going to dwarf the behavior of everybody else. Right, okay. But for older generations, um, obviously they're still online, but they're viewing it largely as a research device, um, as an opportunity to find out about something. But if you're marketing to that particular market sector, then you absolutely need to have a telephone number and everything and make it easy for them to contact you and do business with you over the phone. Yes, I agree with that. Right, okay. Um, So what about um, campaign and and conversion data? Um, Obviously, it's important for businesses nowadays to actually be looking into precisely what is happening when a visitor transacts on their site. Um, So what are the kind of um, data that um, companies at the moment are probably not looking at that they should be looking at? A lot of my clients are going through an interesting transition where say five years ago, a customer would have visited the website maybe three times a month and would have transacted maybe once every three or four months. And today the customer is visiting a website maybe two or three times a week as opposed to three times a month. So they're visiting three times as often as they used to visit. But the number of times the customer is purchasing is the same. And this creates a very unusual dynamic. For many of my clients, it means that conversion rates are actually decreasing over time. And if it's not analyzed properly, it causes my clients to make changes to their websites that don't necessarily assist the customer in in purchasing more often. So what I see happening is there's a lot of testing and optimization work to get customers to purchase today. And my clients need to be looking at all of these um, conversion metrics and all of the customer visits as sort of a holistic group 
and kind of analyzing how the customer behaves on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis, as opposed to how the customer is converting within a specific visit. And, and that's the biggest change that I've seen over the last three or four years that, that is really affecting how people analyze how websites are performing. Right, okay. And it's really tough for uh, someone who's actually trying to get meaningful data out of analytics to actually um, provide real value or uh, allocate real value um, to referring resources um, of traffic that perhaps are unlikely to convert at an early stage. Um, you get, obviously, um, generic keyword phrase searches in SEO, uh, which are a lot less likely to convert compared with maybe a brand search um, or a pay-per-click brand ad that you have on Google. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the customer actually didn't initially find out about that business from that generic keyword search. So um, very, very important to be drilling into that data and getting accurate um, across the picture information about um, what value each particular source of traffic on the customer journey journey path had. Yeah, I think that's a very good way to say that. I, I will find, um, I will segment my customers' client, or my client data based on how customers behave after a purchase. So, so for instance, when a customer buys something, let's say they buy something on September 1st, that customer is likely to come back to the website maybe in October and they may come to the website through a non-branded term and they are then reacquainted with the website and then i'm looking at how they behave after that and you'll see that there is a logical progression that the customer goes through and it may take six or seven visits before the customer buys something again and so from my standpoint i'm less concerned about the fact that the customer didn't convert on a certain keyword and i'm more concerned that the customer is still coming back to the website every couple of days and doing research and as long as that customer continues to visit my website, I'm generally happy. And I can demonstrate to my clients that that's, a, that's good behavior. So I don't necessarily need a conversion today. I need an indication that the customer is progressing toward their next purchase. All right. Okay. So is visits as a metric, is that one of the most important metrics that you look at? I, I look at visits, at, yes, at a, at a customer level. So I, I will segment all my customers during the month of November. And if the customer hasn't bought in six months, but has visited during the month of November, I find that those customers then are much more likely to buy during the month of December than other customers are. And, and I will look at, for me, metrics have a half-life. And so what that means is a visit is important for the next, say, 15 days. And then that visit starts to lose importance rapidly. And so I, I like to time all of my metrics based on how important they are to a future behavior. So if a customer buys something in September, the half-life of that purchase might be six months. And if a customer visits the website yesterday, the half-life of that visit might be six days. So I'm, I'm evaluating my metrics based on their importance to a future activity. Okay, um, that's the um, that's a great way to look at it, actually, because um, I, I hear a lot about um, the half life of tweets. That um, it's something like fifteen minutes uh, if you tweet yes. something, and um, obviously, if um, you don't get any retweets, then uh, it's half as likely fifteen minutes later for it to actually happen. But um, that's, that's a great way to look at the, um, the 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 value, probably long term, of customers as well. Um, so, um, is is there any particular software that you tend to recommend to your customers? Is it just something like um, Google Analytics that you use to actually get all this information? I tend to work with clients that 
will they'll either use Adobe or IBM web analytics software so that they can export their data to any analytics platform they want. And so I personally use SPSS as my language, and that's you know that's something I've been using for 30 years. That's the language I use to analyze and slice and dice customer behavior. Um, a lot of people I work with in my industry tend to use SAS as well, um, or they use R. Those will be the three tools they use to do the statistical work. And they're basically taking the data out of web analytics packages and importing it into these packages so that they can do more longitudinal work and understand how customers are behaving over time as opposed to analyzing how customers convert within a campaign. Okay, right. Um, so, I mean, obviously you've been um, looking at this kind of data for years. Um, was it possible to get the kind of information that you can get now um, prior to, you know, internet um, um, times really, um, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago? Um, how does the information that you've got now compared with then? It, it's interesting. The, 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 the underlying customer behavior in terms of how many times a year a customer purchases from my clients has not changed in 20 years. So I, I, I can go back, my clients will send me 20 years of data and the customer will buy two times a year and they consistently exhibit that behavior across 20 years with almost no change. So the underlying behavior has not changed. How the customer gets to those two purchases has, basically the data has exploded. And, and the best way I can describe it to you would be, um, 20 years ago, a customer might look on a roadmap to determine how they're going to get from one city to another city. And today we can track through, a G through GPS how that customer is going and behaving. And if there's traffic ahead, the customer can be moved into a different direction. It, the similar process happens across my clients now. My clients are basically moving that customer left or right or straight ahead with discounts or promotions or with email marketing campaigns or with search that my clients are basically moving the customer in different directions to get them to the same place the customer would have always gotten to otherwise. And so the, the measurement then is very different than it used to be with the exact same end result. Okay. Um, so what if a business comes, comes to you and um, you reckon that they can improve their conversion rates? Um, you can um, get that business to improve the, the quantity of times that their customers actually purchase from them. Um, how would you actually go about um, improving their um, online presence to actually make that more likely to happen? That is interesting. Um, what I find, and, and, and you know, everybody else's mileage will vary, but what I find is that if the company has been in existence for five years, that their customers have migrated into a certain behavior and it is very difficult to move that behavior. So I, I worked recently with a e-commerce startup that's, that's um, hit more than $50 million in annual sales. Um, th this business has been in, in business for about four years and in the first year and a half or two years, it was very, you could see that the company did a lot of work to migrate that customer and get them to buy multiple times per year. In the past two years, the customer is basically stuck. And what I find, and, and this runs contrary to what most of my contemporaries find, is if you want, once that customer gets into a behavior, it is very difficult to use optimization or online marketing to move that customer to purchase more often. And typically what you have to do is you have to either improve 
the customer service experience or you have to improve the merchandise that the customer buys. And that is how you get the customer to become more loyal. I continually see examples where customers will, will achieve their potential and they'll buy two times a year or three times a year. And it almost doesn't matter what the online marketer does after that. All they are doing is changing the efficiency of the path to a purchase. They're not getting the customer to buy more often. So I, I always like to focus on customer service and merchandise as the ways to get the customer to buy more often. I love that advice because um, so many um, digital marketers will just think that it's possible to keep on optimizing and keep on improving conversion rates. Um, but if you've got a, a product that's not brilliant um, or if you've got a customer service experience that um, doesn't excite the customer or, or perhaps treats them a little bit negatively, then those are probably the two areas that can most impact um, conversion rates and quantity of purchases. Yes, that's that's how I feel. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, let's segue into the second section of our discussion. So that focuses more on your thoughts on what's happening just in general in digital marketing today. Um, so starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? I, I use SPSS to do all of my data mining. And if I didn't have SPSS or SAS or R, I, I wouldn't be able to do my job. So th th those tools to me are critically important. Okay, well, here's a slightly more challenging question. What software don't you use, but you've heard good things about, and you've meant to try at some point in the near future? I, I, I have a bias toward any kind of software that would allow me to do um, things that, that detect nonlinear customer behavior. So like a genetic algorithm, for instance, would be an algorithm that would learn and allow me to be able to understand how customers are behaving and evolving um, if, if I had software that did that kind of thing well, um, I, I'd love to be able to try it. Okay, interesting. Um, so moving on to... I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? I mean, I, I think back to when I started my business seven or eight years ago, I used my blog to attract... And, and I, I used the blog to attract the wrong audience. Um, what, what I, what I need to do is I need to attract CEOs and executives to come and purchase my services. And what I did is I went after getting a lot of followers and a lot of eyeballs and a lot of clicks. And I attracted an audience that liked to click on things. And so it made it very hard to get my business going. So if, if I could go back and change one thing, I, I would make sure that I was targeting the right people and having the right content for the right audience. I think that is fantastic advice there because um, it is so easy just to get um, caught up in focusing on how many people are following you and um, you know how many people listen to your podcast or, or whatever medium you choose as your um, content distribution um, funnel. Um, but um, of course, um, even if only five or ten people listen to you or, or read what you have to, to offer in, in terms of content, if those are the right people, um, then that could be the business that you require. So um, yeah, it's all about the right people. Yep. And, and I, I quickly ramped up to 2,000 followers on my blog. And out of those 2,000, there were maybe only six people that would hire me. So, I mean, I did it completely wrong and, and it took many years to weed out those 2,000 people and basically start over. Wow. So what kind of marketing activity is working for you best at the moment? Is, are you still blogging a bit or are, are there um, other marketing methods that are a little bit more effective for you now? 
I find that my blog is responsible for 70% of my business. I write booklets, little 40 to 60 page booklets that, I, that are either physical booklets or that you can get through Kindle. Um, those booklets are responsible for maybe 20% of my business. And the other 10% tends to come from either word of mouth or speaking at conferences. So, so for what I do, my, my blog where I write an article every day, um, that, that's invaluable. And it's, it's a way to keep in touch with people. Okay. And um, do people tend to uh, subscribe to an email list after reading one of your blog articles or um, do they contact you directly by phone? I have found that they tend to follow through email, um, much more so now than RSS after Google Reader went away. Mm. So they follow through email and it typically takes nine to 12 months, sometimes up to two years of the person following me and seeing what I do to either agree or disagree with my viewpoints on the world and then decide to hire me. So it's 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 a long process to get an executive to choose to work with me. Wow. And um, would you say that could be the case for many businesses out there, or is it only the type of business that deals with um, a fairly high-level product or service that could expect um, a prospect to stick around that long before making a purchase decision? I, I think it's, it's much more common in business-to-business to have that kind of process, but I analyzed enough customer data from, you know, my, my sweet spot sort of apparel stores and malls. And I look at their customer data and I will see that that customer is visiting the website every two or three days and only buys twice a year. And so it's a similar concept that you build that relationship. And if the relationship is strong, the purchases come later. Great um, advice. The this or that round. So moving on to the quick response round. So 10 quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much here. I'm just looking for your gut reaction. So um, um, just one rule, you're only allowed to use the word both once. <laughs> so ready to go? Yes, go ahead. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Audio. Affiliates or display advertising? Display advertising. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? Paid search. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Global marketing. I'm impressed that was 10 definitive answers there. <laughs> was there anyone in particular that you struggled with, didn't know quite what to say? Um, website or app is interesting to me because that is such a demographic issue. And, you know, so, so I'm speaking about it in terms of my client base and who I need to work with. Um, it's going to be a website. But if I'm selling something or I'm selling content to a younger audience, that my answer is going to be different. Hmm. And do you think if your answer was preferably app, do you think you that business still requires a website at the same time, though? I think so. At this time, I, I think all this stuff is going to evolve. And in five years, it's going to look nothing like it looks today. And so a lot of this is just taking guesses and and, and seeing how things evolve. You just, just do the best you can. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's exciting that it is actually so hard to predict what it will look like like in five years' time. Because, you know, five years' time or five years ago, um, you know, Facebook was hardly on the go. Um, and now it's, you know, just just massive. Um, you know, you had Twitter probably just starting up then as well. So um, um, there, there will be some brands in five years' time that are massive that we won't have even heard of today. Correct. The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? So, so a lot of the work I do for my clients, it is work where I am basically telling the computer what to look for. And then I find nuggets of information to tell why the clients, customers are not performing well. If I had $10,000, I would be investing in neural network software that could help me understand patterns and behaviors that I'm not capable of seeing. So there's just so much that we we have so many biases that that in our heads, we think the world works a certain way. And so in my research, I'm asking questions of the customer data that are preconceived based on my experiences. And I've, I've always found with neural network software that it can help me find things and behaviors that I didn't prethink. And so right now, more than anything, I need to be finding customer behavior that does not align with my view of the world. And I kind of need to be surprised. And so I would be investing in neural network software that would help me find those patterns that I could not find on my own. That's great advice there. And I guess it still also depends on um, a lot to do with the quality of the question that you ask as well, personally. Yes. And and I found as I get older, the... I start to become more biased in terms of the questions I ask because I feel like I've seen the same problems over and over again. And so to me, that's that's a problem that I, I should not be doing. And so I need to be asking better questions. It's hard to ask better questions when you have constantly seen the same answer to the same question. Hmm. So, so I need I need something that kind of wakes me up and jolts me out of that habit. It's 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 a tough one, but I mean, if you're recognizing that, then then that's that's positive because obviously you're looking out for um, trying to ensure that you don't do that in the future. But um, everyone has these challenges, I guess, you know. But um, just moving on to my number one takeaway. So you've offered a lot of um, great advice in our discussion today, Kevin. But so thanks, Sam, so much. But what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? I think it's the interaction of marketing channels and, and customer demographics. So if, if I, could, I could have people take anything away, it would be that you, you have some older individuals, let's say people over the age of 55, who are going to behave a certain way and are kind of set in their ways. And all the fun stuff that we read about in marketing doesn't really apply to that audience to the same extent that it applies to customers who are under the age of 35. And this interaction between age and demographics is going to push companies in two different directions. Um, if, if my customer is younger, you're going to see technology and social interactions and mobile be a critical component of what a brand is. And if your customer is over the age of 55, you're going to be trapped over time into basically interacting with that customer. And a lot of the things that people talk about today are just not going to work with that customer. And as time goes on, it's going to be harder and harder to separate yourself from that aging customer. So the thing to take away is to basically learn who your customer is, what demographic cohort they belong to, and how they use technology. 
And then that determines that the path that you're on to be successful going forward. So because of that dichotomy of how different ages of customers um, use technology and how interact they interact with mobile devices and make purchases, make purchasing decisions, um, do you think that um, it's possible for most businesses to have customers across um, multiple demographics moving forward? Or do you think that the majority of businesses should be focusing on just one specific age of customer segment? I believe, based on the data I'm looking at, that it's going to become increasingly more difficult to appeal to customers age 25 to 75. That you're going to see a lot of success. You're going to see many businesses that in my world, in, in e-commerce and retail, you're going to see many businesses that can grow to 100 or 200 million in annual sales by catering to a certain demographic that has certain merchandise interests and has a certain use of technology. And then those businesses are going to hit a hurdle and they're not going to be able to get over that hurdle just because they're not going to be able to appeal to a broad audience. It's, it's going to be very difficult going forward to appeal to a broad audience because of the way people use technology is so fundamentally different across generational cohorts. Okay, so the opportunities moving forward are more likely to be in the niches, this side of the pond and niches, your side of the pond. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> okay, well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time, your focus, and your advice. So what's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? I think the best way would be to visit my blog. And you can find my blog at blog.mindthatdata.com. Okay, lovely. That's wonderful. Well, um, thank you again. All right, thank you. I, I enjoyed my time. I appreciate being on. Oh, thanks, Kevin. Did you know radio? Did you know